0: Hey, this is Jose Galisson of No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. You can also find me on just about every podcatcher there is. Um, I'm not in the Liberty Movement YouTube and anymore. Uh, I did a little announcement on that, what's going on. So if you're interested in that, go check out my uh, little video. It's like a little five, five six-minute video on an uh, announcement for the Liberty Movement and explain what's going on there. Um, yeah, today my guest is Tommy Salmon from Year Zero. Uh, he's, he's a dude on the Libertarian Institute. Uh, the topic today is, you know, the fourth industrial revolution, gender 2030, build back better, all that stuff. You know, uh, we all know with this past year, you know, that's, uh, that's the thing. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and bring him on and we'll get at, oh yeah. As always, give me money. Patreon.com says no way Jose 2020. I'm all about getting money. I do want to give a big thank you to my patrons cause I'm getting, I'm getting the point where I... I technically make money off this. I'm technically professional now. I make like I think like 5 bucks a month. So, hey, it's something. And uh, you know, that's not to put it down. I very much appreciate it and it's keeping me going because if I'm going to lose money, I mean, what's the point of doing? It? I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to make get rich or anything, but I'm also not trying to lose money. <laughs> it's really hard to justify the old lady when I'm losing money doing this shit. So, uh, I definitely appreciate it for all you patrons though, as I, as I always say, if you guys have any creative input? Whether you want to come to the show or whatever, hit me up. Uh, also, another perk: episodes get released a week early. Uh, if there's anything else you guys want, let me know. Uh, yeah, I highly encourage y'all to do that. I'm gonna go bring on Tommy, and we'll get going with this. What's up, dude?
1: What's going on, man?
0: Hey. <laughs> so, uh, you want to go ahead and give your give a little intro for yourself to the audience for anyone who doesn't know you?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm the host of Year Zero. Um, I'm a trashy fucking truck driver that just runs around and is has nothing to do other than listen to audio books and podcasts and decided to start my own shit and talk my talk for myself. You know,
0: those are some of the smartest people in the world. Uh, like I thought it was funny. I, I shared something on Twitter not too long ago and it was just a thought I was having about like the whole Rogan thing and how everyone's freaking out about Rogan with the whole vaccine thing. And it's like this dude's like life is centered around health and it's like everyone trashes him. Like he's not a doctor and it's like, I'd be willing to put, Strong money on the topic of health, he probably knows more than the majority of doctors. I mean, maybe not in their specific forte for each doctor here and there, but for general health, you know, fitness, you know, taking care of yourself. I mean, that's like his thing. So people put that down. And I mean, there's a lot of people like I learned the vast majority of my knowledge from like commutes. I have like an hour commute to work and a lot of audiobooks, podcasts. I mean, and then from there, I started actually reading, you know, and you know, here we are, not to say I'm a genius, but I mean, I ain't too bad. Um, you know, I feel like your average libertarian is probably better than most economists. So, yeah. Um, well,
1: well, the thing about the thing about truck drivers, um, you're you're going to run into about. I don't know, probably about 85 percent of them that only want to talk trunk trucking. That's all they ever fucking want to talk about. And it gets old. I I. I Very few truck drivers I will actually sit down and have a conversation with, but the ones that are curious, they spend all their time listening or reading or figuring shit out. You know, I've met guys that speak like five languages that are truck drivers. One of my, one of my best friends, Gordon McGill, extremely smart guy. I've had him on the podcast a couple of times and he's just an extremely smart guy and he's been driving since he was 16 years old. His dad was a driver. His grandpa was a driver. I mean, that's all he's ever wanted to do. He's been to New Zealand, Canada, all over the place driving truck.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely, definitely. There's there's something there for sure. I feel like a lot of people put down like your common working man. But uh, sometimes, uh, you know, just having an interest in something will get you a lot further than just being someone who went to school or whatever. Um, today, like I said, I had brought you on to talk about some conspiracy shit. And then I also wanted to, I mean, this was kind of brought on from, I mean, this is a thing I've been focused on a lot lately, sort of. I've been focused more on solutions, uh, but I listened to the episode where you were on with Pete and, yep. uh, figured it'd be interested to talk. I know that was a little bit more like doom and gloom, like that episode, but I kind of wanted to, I mean, we'll probably spend about half the episode talking on that, like kind of a refresher. I know you just got done, uh, recording with Richard Grove today, so I'm sure you have more to say on the matter. But uh, and then I kind of want to cap it off at the end with like kind of our thoughts on uh, on, um, you know, possible solutions. Kind of want to do a little a little boog talk because uh, I, I had a big thing on, on, uh, on Twitter today with some people that are freaking out because I said the boog, the boog was big dumb. So, <laughs> you know, and they got all butthurt about that. So well, we can kind of go. I, the- I,
1: I love Magnus. Magnus is my dude. I've had him I, on the show. I love him to death. Like he's a great dude. I understand what he's doing. I I can't say that I think that everything he's doing is appropriate. But
0: yeah, I mean, I I think boog is one of those things that it, ha, it has its uh it has its place and it is funny and it is like, but if you really deeply think about it, is not a good prescription for helping things. We can get into that. I, I want to start out with defining kind of like the fourth industrial revolution and kind of, so I'll let you roll. Cause this is your, this is your place right here. Cause you got, okay, you well, got yeah. the receipts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. So when you're, when you're reading the book that I'm really focused on is the book shaping the future of the fourth industrial revolution. And that's really, you can read the fourth industrial revolution and they, but when you get into shaping the future of the fourth industrial revolution, they kind of give you an outline of what, They mean by the fourth industrial revolution. So what they're saying is that the invention of the combustion engine, the the cotton gin, that was the first American or first first industrial revolution. Excuse me. Then the second would be the light bulb. Third would be um, your mobile phones, computer technology, the Internet, that type of stuff. The fourth industrial revolution is referencing transhumanism, AI, that type of shit. So what, what they're trying to do is they're trying to stick, they're trying to centralize blockchain technologies. They're trying to ensure microchip t- technologies to where every human is merged with technology in a transhuman future.
0: All right, cool, cool. Yeah, that that is, I mean, that is the fourth industrial revolution for sure. I also kind of want to go into the agenda twenty thirty and all that, the Build Back Better and all that stuff. Kind of, I know it's they kind of all tie together, and they kind of vaguely get meshed together because I mean, uh, I forget what the uh, group is that's throwing all this shit out. I'm sure you can tell me. Do you remember the group? Yeah, it's the World Economic Forum. There you man. go. Yeah, I, I don't know why I couldn't think of it, but yeah, they they have. <laughs> there's basically it's like a, a mash of a bunch of different things. And they all just kind of get floated out in the ether. It's almost like they're throwing things at a board and seeing what sticks. Um, so, like Agenda 2030 is the other one, uh, which will kind of play into what I'm, what we'll talk about later. The Agenda 2030. I don't know if you want to give a rundown of that. I mean, you know what that is, right? I know what that is too. But I'm sure you do as well, right?
1: I've read into it. I I, I haven't really looked at it that that hard. Not no, okay. near as much as I've looked at the the Great Reset. Mm you know, the fourth industrial revolution. That's kind of what I've been focused on is the technocratic movement, which I'm Mm -hmm. sure agenda 2030, you could, you could fit into it. The agenda 2030 was created by the UN though. That was, that was kind of their idea of how they were going to mold the future for countries going forward. I really think what we're looking at right now is, is, is beyond that. I, I think what we're looking at is, corporations. And it ties back to the Rhodes Scholarship, Cecil Rhodes, um, wanting to really control the flow of information, control the way that the the countries move forward. And we see it every day. I mean, it, libertarians are famous for ranting against this stuff. You you got like the Federal Reserve. That's a public private partnership where the where the 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 private entity is distributing the wealth. They're printing the money, they're creating the money, and they're distributing the wealth to the public partnership. So what what I'm looking at here is yeah, I I can see your point with the Agenda 2030. I'm just not sure that the UN has as much influence over this as they'd like to think they have.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think either necessarily has as much influence as some people have, but then also on the other hand, I think they also don't have, they have more influence than some people think they have. I think that's the nature of these like shadowy, you know, puppet masters from above is it's never to the extent of the crazy kooky Alex Jones types where it's like, they literally are controlling every tiny little absolute thing. Not everything. Conspiracy. But they are manipulating to some extent. so it's not so it's it's usually somewhere in between. I mean, obviously, you know the big joke these days is how much Alex Jones is right. So who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe every little thing is controlled. But I do think especially that's kind of a, a thing that you know we learn within libertarianism that it's kind of hard to essentially control. So it's not as easy. I mean, that's kind of how this fascism thing works though, with that we've got going on in the United States where essentially fascism is is a the, the melding of the corporate and the state. And it's essentially the corporations become part of the state. Like that's essentially what a corporation is, you know, a wing. So you, become, you create this hierarchical system of companies within the state. So, you know, it's kind of them naturally forming to where they can control things. Um, but anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm more getting at that. I think they kind of all point towards the same thing. I don't think the future is going to be necessarily the fourth industrial revolution or necessarily Agenda 2030. We were kind of like speculating. I think it'll be something along those lines. So, because I know the thing with Agenda 2030 is that it's going to have, like, smart cities, essentially, and that it's the whole idea of that, like, you know, everyone's probably heard, you know, that, oh, you won't own anything and you'll be happy. Like, that's the line from the one article. And, you know, essentially the idea is that we're just going to have these crazy, you know, technocratic smart cities with, you know, stuff like that, which, I mean, obviously I think that's very much hyping the ability of what they're going to be able to do, but I think there's something there. I would not be the least bit surprised if in the future we end up having these, Crazy hubs of where the state has their power; these cities, if you will, because um, I, I don't think, especially with like fourth industrial revolution, they're going to be able to control it to the extent they want to. Um, but I do think they're going to control it more than we want them to, as well. <laughs> you know, so it's a mixed bag. <laughs> you know?
1: Well, the one, the one thing what what libertarians have going for them, and what we know from reading Mises, from reading Hayek, reading Rothbard there's a knowledge problem here. There's a knowledge problem that these guys and their hubris aren't taking into consideration. And so that knowledge problem, that the human action that's going to take place, that if you, if you look back in history, I was, I was actually one of the books I, I've read here recently, I would suggest anybody read is written by Derek Bros, and it's called a how to opt out of the technocratic state. And he starts off and he's and he's writing about all the new technologies that are coming in. But then he ends it with a Konkin book, economics, counter-economics book that hadn't been released yet. And it's like the first six chapters of a Konkin book. And and what Konkin's really focused on is how the gray and black markets were utilized under Pol Pot in, in the Soviet Union and in these places and how they helped take down with the gray and black markets. They took down these dictators because they were choking off the resources that these dictators claim to have a monopoly over. So it's very important that we do acknowledge there is a knowledge problem that they can't figure out.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's like, I, I think there is something to the, the idea that a lot, a lot of people I feel like we we fall prey within these our libertarian movement of being binary thinkers where it's always like you know the government's either this crazy maniacal you know thing that's going to wake up everybody or ruby ridge your ass if you try to break away or whatever or it's or on the other end they act like it's completely ineffectual you know completely incompetent and it's, it's somewhere in between and yeah there is a knowledge problem I was talking to somebody earlier and we were kind of talking about the gender 2030 thing. And I, and like to kind of make a point of your knowledge problem thing is the thing I said is that I think in the future, it's going to be, you know, you're going to have these people in these, these smart cities are going to be all, you know, feeling like they're going to be indignant about them being the civilized ones and the people living outside in the country. They're like they're the dumb hicks, but there will come a point where they realize like, Oh fuck. Um, at that point it's too late <laughs> you know it's kind of like the whole you know they're almost like in gulags voluntarily until they realize oh shit and i think that's the kind of what we're being lulled into and that's kind of what fascism is because like fascism is so in some ways efficient until it's not you know and then you're like oh god damn it <laughs> you know so
1: i don't have anything to add to that yeah. yeah, no, no, you're, you're, you're completely right. I, th- I heard Vin Armani talking about this. I think it was on Liberty to Lockdown when he was talking about this. It might've been on Lions of Liberty, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, he was talking about how you're going to have the breeders who are going to basically be the savages from a brave new world, right? And then you're going to have the, the technocrats, the transhumanists that are going to be coming, coming in. And they're going to use AI to experience motherhood or fatherhood or whatever it is. And so eventually the breeders are going to win. It's it's not that the AI is going to kill off everybody. Eventually the breeders will win. But how hard, how devastating it gets and the how do they use their influence and power against us until then there's no telling
0: yeah I mean I I, mean, I, I guess we can go ahead and start getting we kind of defined what we're talking about loosely this like technocratic crazy shit so I guess we can kind of start getting into solutions slash and I don't even think solutions is the right word maybe alleviations mm-hmm. might be the right word because like I said I think we and this is one thing I love about Konkin and he's kind of taught me to think differently is I don't I think we need to stop being in this binary binary thought Everybody, that's why uh, I did an episode with Clint from Little Lockdown recently on uh, the clear pill, which was a mole bug thing, which is the idea was realism. Mm-hmm. And because uh, everybody's all about these white pill, black pill, white pill, black pill. And, and it's like, it's so ironic that it's like, once again, we fall into this sh- fucking stupid ass binary thinking that us libertarians always do. It's like, is this an NAP violation? Is it not? It's like, yeah, there's something there. But there's like, for example, with corporations, like, uh, is it the state? Is it not? Sort of, sort of not. It's a gray area, like, and that's the great thing about Conkin. You have the gray. But um, yeah, the point I'm getting at with like the clear pill is I like, do think going forward, it's more about what you do to prepare like for what's going forward. It's simply preparation and you gotta be think be thinking generationally, which is the thing John Bush talks a lot about. It's like you gotta think generationally, and I think the big thing right now, and I, I don't know if you'll agree, is to essentially get the fuck out of the cities and probably also the blue states. Like, and I know that everyone's been saying that, but I do think, and I know it's not easy for everyone. Like I said, it's a generational thing. So I don't think it'll necessarily, I mean, it might happen within the next decade. I don't know. But I think going forward, the state is a dying beast. And this is something I got from Konkin. You know, I kind of got a mix of things. And he kind of talked about as the state died, it would almost like kind of recede into bubbles, essentially like smaller and smaller bubbles. But within those ones, they stamp their power down harder. And if you're a binary thinker, you're going to think like, Oh my God, look at this horrible state over here. It's so authoritarian, but it's like, yeah, but it's way smaller than it was. It's it's pushing its power on a much smaller area. So if you're outside of that area, it's, you know, I mean, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, we need to help those people out. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, we've been ranting and raving for forever. At some points, like, you gotta, I, I don't know what to tell you. I know, I mean, there are things you can do to alleviate it. My point being is, I think going forward, that's the move is to, And also become more financially independent because, like, I do think with the Stimis and stuff that what the government is doing is trying to make us dependent on it. And also, if you're in the areas in which it has power, I think you're going to be fucked and your kin is going to be fucked as well. Because that's the big thing is, I mean, Larkin Rose goes into a lot about how the state is essentially like a religion. And, you know, how do religions usually work? If you're born in the Middle East, you're going to be Muslim. Most likely, like almost certainly you're going to be Muslim because you were born in a Muslim country. And the same thing is true if you're born in one of these city states or whatever. And I think that's that has a big part to do with it. I'm kind of ranting now. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that.
1: (laughs) No, you're fine. Uh, Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, And I saw this coming years ago. Um, I moved my wife out of Houston and we moved out onto nine acres with a half acre pond that's stocked with fish. We started planting our own food. We have chickens. We, we we're doing our own thing. And even though I'm gone, it's hard because I'm gone all week long. So I have a lot of work to do when I get home uh, every weekend. But I saw it coming. I saw it coming down the pike, you know. And I was like, nah, I don't want to be around here. And so now I have I have a, a piece of property that if my kids who live in Houston still want to leave they got a place to go. If my parents who live in just North of Houston want to leave, there's a place to go, you know, and you're, you're absolutely right. The, the thing is, I feel like you're being corralled into cities through resources. And so they're moving all the resources and they're centralizing all the resources to centralize all the people. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need all that. I can get out of there. I can go do my own thing. And uh, John Bush is great. I was just watching today the D3 Summit he did. um, And just fantastic. I'm going to have him on here in in the next few days and be be chatting with him. I I love John Bush. I I had him on last year too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you probably know about his freedom Cells thing too, right? Yep. Yeah, Yeah. so that's. I think that is a... I mean, I kind of tried to do something sort of similar not too long ago. I mean, it didn't end up obviously having the success he did, but I do think shit like that's the way forward. And it doesn't, he even says himself, he doesn't necessarily have to be freedom cells. It's as simple as, I mean, if anything, he just more made the concept more catchy. It's as simple as just having people locally that you can depend on. I mean, they they don't even have to be fucking libertarians or full and agorists or whatever, because it's like, um, uh, I don't remember who it was. Uh, God, it's a guy who does like the schooling thing. He he kind of talks about how, like, you know, you look at things like Uber and like people will may not necessarily like philosophically be like, oh, yeah, like look at these shitty like taxi unions who blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, you get them to buy into it. It's the same thing with Konkin, where he goes out there, are drug dealers and stuff that aren't philosophically on board, but they are already doing it. So I think there's something there to, you know, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought, but. <laughs> Well, no,
1: That's all right. Uh, yeah. You know, here, here's a little white pill. Like, I mean, we're talking, we, we're talking <laughs> yeah. pill. Like, here's a white pill. I yeah. live, I live in a town of 2000 people. City hall is closed, has never been open. We don't have a police department. Like the County police come around every once in a while. The state police coming around every once in a while. All, all every, the way we fund everything in this town is we have a crawfish boil and a fair every year and they raise money and that money goes to funding the bridge and yada, yada, yada. We have one bridge. Yes. And, you know, keeps the stoplight going and yeah, one stoplight, but there, there are these havens in America where you can go and you can live basically a voluntarist lifestyle and nobody's fucking with you. You know, I got dude, I feel ashamed telling people this. I live on eight and three quarter acres with a half acre pond stocked with fish. I have a barn. I have a five bedroom house. It cost me $177,000. These places are there. You can find these places is, is the climate perfect. Am I living in San Diego? No, but you know what? I'm happy. I'm perfectly fine. I I'm acclimated to the weather. I mean, it's I'm from Louisiana originally, so the humidity and the heat, I don't fuck with bother me, none. Now, my South African wife, she can't stand the humidity, not at all. She's like, I don't know what the hell this shit is. Get it off of me. <laughs> like, whatever. I don't want anything to do with it. But you can find these havens, you can find places to go.
0: And and even if uh, like the mm. other thing, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, I can't get out, I can't, whatever. I, you know, I'm stuck in this mortgage, whatever, what happened. And I completely sympathize, like. A lot of people know are listening, like, I'm fucking... I'm still currently active-duty military, so I, I am in no spot. I'm literally dependent on the the government. Like, right now, I'm... I, I, I'm telling you right now, that's actually a large... That's a big thing I've said multiple times. I'm... I would like to say I'm some hero and philosophically, like, on the up-and-up, and that's why I'm getting on the military. That's part of it, but actually, I see the writing on the wall, and I don't want to be dependent on the government. That's one of the biggest things. So, it's kind of fucking selfish. <laughs> like, and... I mean, it's, I have a hard time getting my wife to to buy this because she's a little bit more of a normie. But I don't think like I still have. If I want to retire, I still have nine years left, and I don't know if I have that kind of time to where before shit starts getting wonky, and you know, like. Bro. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really willing to make that risk, and I also even then, once I get out, do I want to be dependent on a pension? I don't. I, you know, like because who knows? They're gonna pull it away when I do some, you know, thing they don't want them to do. But uh, I kind of want to throw something at you. Have you ever have you ever um have you ever read uh, Against the Grain by James C. Scott?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Okay, I, I highly suggest you read it. You obviously have a lot of time on your hands. It's a great audio book. Uh, James C. Scott is I want to say he's like more of like a left anarchist, but I don't remember. But he's like an anarchist historian, and his he his big thing like in that book is he kind of goes over the 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 creation of the first states, and the first states were created around agriculture. And he, one of the big theses of that book was how the people who were in those like first states, because like the way it worked is like, the agriculture started and the state formed around the agriculture and kind of leached off the agriculture because agriculture kind of like lends itself to being a centralized fertile area that, you know. But anyways, what he, what he got at in that book was that the fucking the there were people who lived outside the state in the less fertile areas that you would think for all intents and purposes would be like not the place to be. But those people actually seem to, from all, you know, historical records and stuff, actually thrive. But we don't really know much about them because history refers to them as savages, you know, tribal fucking, you know, whatever. And it doesn't really tell their story either. And I think history rhymes. And I think there's something to that that, like, you know, I mean, I can see a straight parallel between a a fertile agricultural area and a, you know, crazy techno state you know like techno cities or whatever the hell you know and the people living on the outsides and i think there's something there obviously you know i'm, I'm not saying there's gonna be perfect anarchy on the outskirts even then they had tribal societies they weren't perfect anarchists so i think that's kind of what we're probably looking at going forward is it's going to be you know i i actually not entirely sure if we're going to get to a point where we have secession and shit like that maybe a few states here and there but i i think we're going to get to a point where the country areas are going to essentially be a soft nullification where they don't really necessarily be like, we nullify this, but they're kind of not doing it, you know? And I mean, that's kind of why I'm put, I'm pushing for agorism big time. Cause I do think, you know, the, one of the great things about agorism is it completely disregards the state to where it's like, and I think, you know, as I mentioned, Ark and Rose earlier, all the state is, is, you know, people believing the illusion of authority. And if we can dispel that illusion of authority, then you end up with situations where you have these areas where, yeah, there's sort of a state, but does it do anything? Not really, because no one really thinks anything of it, you know? So, yeah. I mean, there might be a state in name, but, you know, because I, I I, think a lot of us have this idea of the state just being abolished and gone, and I don't think that's how it necessarily works, you know?
1: Yeah, well, all right, well, let me, I'm going to back up a little bit. Um, my, uh, my great-grandparents were on the Trail of Tears, okay? and on the trail of tears they were they were pushed out of tennessee into oklahoma from from oklahoma they were, in oklahoma they were put on a reservation they didn't like it they're like no so what did they do is they disappeared into the wilderness and then they popped back up years later in mississippi don't know what the hell they were doing in that time i can't trace it down none of my family can trace it we don't know what the fuck was going on we just know they lived in the wilderness and then they pop back up in mississippi like don't know nothing about that's what you're going to have you're going to have these groups of people that just kind of disappear and just go off into their own little thing and it doesn't matter if the state comes in We talk about the state like it's a monolith. That's one thing about libertarians that drives me crazy because the state's made up of a bunch of fucking people. (laughs) Like, (laughs) There's a lot of people with a lot of different incentives to do different things. But they can come in and they can can claim eminent domain. They can do all these different things, take property, but it's not going to stop you from living. You just have to decide how you were willing to, to fight it. And this is kind of, and I think you and I are going to actually have this conversation next week with why libertarians, uh, but this is kind of why I say that the, the agorist and libertarian argument is so nonsensical because like you said, that you're looking at it as a binary. You know, like you don't know. I could, okay. So I could build a farm like Jack Spirico. I could build this just amazing plantation and, and show you how to live free and that could work for you. But you could have Dave Smith running for president who becomes like the next Ron Paul style messenger and he changes a bunch of people's minds. So I don't think there's one right way. I think there's a lot of different ways that people are brought to liberty The, the ultimately what you have to focus on is you have responsibilities, whatever those responsibilities are, you have to take care of. If you don't take care of your responsibilities, you're not, you're not even in a position to help somebody else, you know? And, and then you got to find people that want to be helped. You know what I'm saying? It's just like state addiction is no different than drug addiction in my, in my estimation these people have to want to be free of the state before you can actually convince them to be free of the state.
0: Yeah. I mean, you kind of brought up something I want to touch on a little bit. The, I feel like I get thrown in my face so much, especially being as I'm more of like the aggressive vein and stuff, the concept of like, Oh, well, you're just going to go run off and be, you know, be an individual and do this and do that. It's like, to some extent, yes. I mean, people, I feel like, I'm not one of those people who's like immediately frowns on any sort of collective anything. I know there are a lot of like smooth brain libertarians that like you know be like oh fucking collectivism and it's like well people can work together. Uh, I mean it it depends on what you're talking about. I mean if you're talking about some sort of Borg brain bullshit, then yes, like not cool. But like at the end of the day, though, I think it is like you have to start at the individual first. Like you need to get your shit together, and and to some extent, I think that kind of bring kind of gets other people's shit together because it's not like it's not like, uh, let's say with my life, I've, I mean, I've told people like I've already brought it up that I'm in the active duty military or whatever. My life is not a vac. I don't exist in a vacuum. So as I'm trying to adjust my life, other people are going to see what I'm trying to do. And that's going to have effects. So like, they're like, Oh my God, you're acting as an you're, you're where you only care about yourself. And it's like, to some extent, yes, I'm very stern or asking that way. At the end of the day, it's like, I'm concerned about me and my own, <laughs> like everyone else be damned. I mean, I'll do what I can, but if it comes between me and my family or anything else in the fucking world, it's me and my family. Sorry. You can all eat a dick. <laughs> but like, you know, it just, it is. What I, got, it is. Dude, I, got, I have, I have, look, I have five
1: kids and a granddaughter and all y'all can fucking y'all could fucking die in the worst <laughs> genocide ever. As long as they're okay, I'm like, right, I'm sorry, guys. You know, like, you know, uh, it's just, it, it just, it's just the way it is, man. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. You know, I, I remember getting into a conversation with a libertarian and this is why, when I stopped calling myself a libertarian, this was early 2019, this conversation took place. I'll never forget this conversation because I was like, you're, you people are cancer. People like you are fucking cancer and I don't want anything to do with you. And we're talking about where, where to find anarchy in the world. And I'm like, well, look at Chiron and I posted an article and he goes, sounds like communism. I'm like, it's voluntary. Sounds like communism. Oh, you've never read Peter Kropotkin? have you. Sounds like communism. I don't give a fuck what it sounds like. They have voluntarily agreed to, to live this way. And now here it is, what, eight, nine, 10 years later, and they're starting to usher in some capitalist, you know, ideals into their society. But they had to get rid of the bad element and they had to find a tribal way that would work for them. You know, I'm not gonna stand up against the CIA. You're not gonna stand up against the CIA. None of these libertarians are going to stand up against the CIA, but together as a tribe, we might have a chance to at least back them off and get them off our fucking asses. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I don't like about libertarians because they're like, well, that sounds collectivist. I'm like, well, not all the mutualists are wrong. Not all of them are wrong. There's something to be said. There's strength in numbers. You know, the doors had a song five to one, you know, I don't know, know. You know that song?
0: <laughs> no, I've never heard that song, but no. He says, fucking...
1: he says five to one, one in five. No one here gets out alive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You take yours, I'll take mine. Come together if we try. But another thing he says in that song is they got the guns, but we got the numbers, you know? And yeah. at some point, those numbers actually make a difference. There was a reason the Bolsheviks actually fucking succeeded.
0: Yeah. No, I, there, I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I do get super irritated with that. That's the one thing that blows, like I, I feel like that it's like lower level thinking to where like, I don't, maybe it's just like someone who's like green and is like still early in their like development and like philosophy there. Cause it is like, that does drive me up the wall when people like yeah. be like, well, that's collectivist. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, sure. is it voluntary? Like, I don't yeah. care if it's communism, if it's socialism. Is it like, did they voluntarily be like, this is what I want to do? Is it? Yes. Okay, cool. Who gives a shit? <laughs> that's no, really like, do. Well,
1: okay. You, so you want to be an atomistic individual living out in the wilderness like Ted Kaczynski with no like ground in reality like, that's what you want. Is that, is that really what you want with your life? Because that's what you're advocating. You're not advocating for Liberty on any like massive scale. What you're advocating for is you being a fucking hermit. Well, you go be a fucking hermit then, you know, because, because the way that the market works is you have to deal with other fucking people. You have to provide value to other fucking people. So how are we going to create our lives in such a way where we're providing value for other fucking people? And if you don't, I mean, you're, you're ignoring like lessons of Rothbard, of Mises and all that. If you're ignoring the fact that the market has to be in order to engage in the market, you have to provide value. Like you, you can't
0: be both yeah the ironic thing too is those same people who will say that like individualist collective binary bullshit are the same ones that when you like make arguments of like securing your own freedom will be like oh well you're just gonna get wacoed by the state and you're like well no one is saying that like it's like that like i don't know if you read sterner but his whole thing was i like his concept of a like, uh a union of egoists and the idea is that like it's individualist working working collectively together, and it's like, right. yes, you as long as you don't lose your individualism in the process. Who cares? Like, I mean, and even then, if you do, even if you do want to lose your individualism, I mean, I wouldn't suggest it. But like, as long as it's voluntary, whatever, you know. Like, I mean, I that's not for me, dog. But if that's your thing, whatever. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you want to exist in lockstep with other people, as long as you're doing it voluntarily, I don't care. But I, I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and
1: then, then, you know, then there's the the fact that autists cannot discern sarcasm at all.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I can say that my my, I have four fuck trophies and one severely autistic (laughs) participation trophy. And he does like if I if I get sarcastic with him, he's like, what? Like, wait, are you mad at me? (laughs) No, dude. Like, calm down. (laughs) <laughs> I, I
0: love that you use that term. I'm like I've I've only ever heard one other person use that term. I use fuck trophies all the time and people are it's funny, like it's a good like it's a good way to tell what kind of person you're dealing with because if you call your kid a fuck trophy, like some people would be like, Oh and you're like, fuck that guy. <laughs> like I saw someone I want to hang out with. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: right. like it doesn't mean yeah. i don't love my children it's a fucking joke
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well and and, and 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 my he's my eldest son is 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 extremely autistic and and he he gets a kick out of it every time i call him an extremely autistic participation <laughs> trophy he just thinks that's the fucking
0: funniest thing yeah all right, let's shift to. I we're we're kind of already sort of like jumping around. I mean, but whatever. I like this template; it works. But I kind of want to touch on the boog. Like, what are your thoughts on the boog? We kind of t- we talked about a little bit because I, I had a discussion. I wasn't even going to mention it in today's episode, but I, I do think because a lot of people see the boog as like a, and I think this is a function of us seeing the nation in a nationalistic sense of like we need to save the whole nation. Where I don't really care about the whole nation, I care about you know making sure we can find areas of freedom and move as many people there as we possibly can. But anyways, what do you th- do you think the boog could be a positive thing? I mean, the boog's kind of a squirrely term. Are we talking revolution? Are we talking collective uh, defense? Like, I mean, I normally think of it as seventeen seventy six point two, and I think that's how most people see it. But so, what what are your thoughts?
1: I think if you're attempting to use violence against a institution that it can conceives itself as having a monopoly on violence. You're playing by their rules. Yep. And we should never play by their rules. Uh, I I just, I don't, if it's a Waco situation and you're defending yourself, like I'm, I'm David Thibodeau is a really good friend of mine. I love that guy to death. Like I would never, Talk bad about him. I know Magnus. I, I've I've spoken to him. I've had him on the podcast. Magnus Panvidia. Um, I, I love him. I love his personality. I love the way he comes across. But I think what I think what people are are for are are missing is the Boogaloo Boys aren't trying to institute the Boog what they're saying is the government has already brought it to our doorstep that that these the the critical race theorists have brought it to our doorstep we don't have a choice all right but the fact of the matter is if if i'm not if i don't see the the threat right there in front of me committing violence on me or my family people i love I mean, I mean I would put Scott Horton, Pete in into this category. I w- I would defend them with my life. I love these guys. I've known them for 3 4 years now and like we're friends, you know. If I don't see that happening in being initiated, then I'm not going to I'm not interested in using force. Now, communists will tell you and I, I had one just tell me this the other day. That's how I know they'll tell you this. Is that well, any ideology that is so passive will will never succeed. And I'm like, well, it's not about being passive, it's about being smart, it's about you know actually making the greatest effect possible. Um, so I don't think meeting the state with violence. Is the best way to handle it. But if you have a situation like we saw in Houston a couple of years ago where the state's kicking in your door, you have a Breonna Taylor situation where the state's kicking in your door and you utilize violence to defend yourself, I'm not going to say that you did anything wrong.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just going to give you extra points for every Fed you take down. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I feel like when I tell people I'm like anti boog. People are like, think I'm some like foofy, you know, foofy fag where I'm like, oh, don't No, I'm like, I, uh, for example, like uh, the, the, the case, uh, the thing I always use as an example and it's funny, I can tell like what kind of person I'm dealing with. Like when I bring up this example, there was a, uh, not too long ago, uh, maybe like within the year, there was some guy who got pulled over, I don't know the exact details, but he got pulled over by the cops and he wasn't doing really anything wrong from what I recall and He was, they were, the cops were trying to get him to get out of his car. And he's like, I don't want to get out of my car. I just want to go home. Please leave me alone. Wasn't doing anything wrong. Apparently, like, you know, come to find out later, he had like, I think he had like drugs on him or something, something minor. And then they ended up, they tased him multiple times, tried to yank him out of the car, essentially assaulted him over and over and over again. And then he finally, you know, got out of his car and then blew them both away, killed them. I think that is morally entirely a hundred percent. In the right, but it was retarded. (laughs) Both things
1: can be true. Yeah,
0: like that's, that's like, and that's the same thing with the book. It's like, I can agree. I mean, it it depends on motivation. So if you're just trying to institute a new government, I think that's stupid. You know, I mean, obviously I'm an anarchist. I think you're going to, you're going to create a whole lot of bloodshed for maybe be what, maybe a marginal improvement. Most likely it's going to be worse. Like, I mean, that's how most revolutions work, but I mean, now if you're just doing it in a defensive manner, unless you have the numbers or, okay, if you're going to do an offensive, offensive manner, I know a lot of people get like, and that's kind of where I get the moral thing. It's kind of like technically speaking, the state by its existence is infringing on you. So you can kind of make the case that, you know, it's not offensive, it's defensive but people get what you're saying when you're saying offensive or defensive in relation to the state. If you're making an offensive against the state, maybe I can somehow figure out a way to where it's morally okay. But it's tactically insane, tactically going to screw yourself over. It just, I, I mean, maybe I can think of a scenario in which it isn't. But I mean, defend and even then within a defensive violence situation with the state, most likely it's stupid as well, depending on the scenario. I mean, it really depends on like what kind of people you got, you know. Cause if you got enough people, it is what it is, and usually then it there just won't be violence. Period. Because they'll be like, "Shit, I don't want none," you know. <laughs> it, Which is kind it? of the beauty of freedom cells. That's one thing. Some, about when they get bigger, like they'll start showing up when the cops start fucking with people and be like, and that, I think that's just going to deter violence, you know?
1: Yeah. What? Well, so. and, and that's one of the that's one of the the things that we've seen. Uh, there's a group that meets in um, Dallas every year. I can't remember. I never can remember the name of their group. But, uh, shout out to Casey, uh, Casey, Kelsey Cable. I can't ever say his name, right? Uh, he's, he's part of the group. He, he actually does the videography for him and they feed the homeless. Well, in Dallas, it's illegal to feed the homeless without a permit. So what they do is they all show up with guns and they're like, all right. In this past year, they showed up to, uh, they showed up to the, the, uh, state building with a guillotine and left it on the, on the steps of the the courthouse or whatever. Like, and I'm all for it. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Y'all do this thing. You know, you're not actually like initiating violence. You're actually not, you know, doing anything. You're just like saying, Hey man, we're not, we're not going to put up with your shit. But was it Conkin Like I, I, I get so many of these philosophers confused. Was it Conkin that said no violent revolution has ever ended with more freedom, it's always another tyrannical government that's fighting to take control of a tyrannical government. Like, so if, if somebody is looking at being violent, I'm already suspicious of them because I'm like, "Uh, I don't know if I want you, your violence. I don't, I don't know if your violence is any better than the violence we're already dealing with.
0: Yeah. And the thing is too, I feel like, even if somehow you magically had some like pure movement of like whether it's defensive or offensive violence against the state and you're like we are simply just trying to you know defend ourselves i think almost certainly it's still going to get co-opted you know if it's some sort of like larger movement because it's like and then some other institution will take its place you know in that sense because i just think that's how it works you know like I don't know, I, but yeah, I think we we beat this this horse to to, to shit. So I think like, yeah. I think what
1: I think what you're saying I think what you're saying is it's always the boot uh, a bourgeoisie that has sympathies to the the revolutionaries that leads the movement. It's never it's never going to lead to a, a bottom up. And and then you look at. And we can move right back into the fourth industrial revolution with this, if if that's where you want to go with it. But then you look at it and these guys are already talking about how to use bottom up tyranny, man. I mean, what do you think a Twitter mob is? That's bottom up tyranny. You know, these they've already figured it out. These the thing about the sophisticates and this is something I've been talking to uh, my man Coop about on my show. We've done three parts on this. And the thing about the sophisticates are they have the money and the leisure time to sit around and contemplate the things that you and I don't have the leisure to sit around and think about, right? So when you look at Prague Kana writes a writes an article about disassembling empires through devolution, and, and you get through that article. You realize, oh, what this guy is saying is that utilizing Brexit and these decentralized movements in order to empower the corporate structure, and it's all about keeping the politicians in their pockets. So they've already figured out, they're already contemplating, if you do decentralize, if you do secede if you do nullify the system how do we infiltrate that group of people they're already thinking that they're already writing about it they're already talking about it you're not new man you're not coming up with a new strategy here these guys are already thinking about it again they do have a knowledge problem they don't know how you're going to act tomorrow they're not they don't know all everything they're not god they they don't see all they're not omnipotent i guess is what i'm trying to say but they are strategizing on how to control the the masses
0: yeah no it's like it's almost a scramble and i think a good example of kind of what you were touching on there is like crypto um it's the same idea that that's a big thing you know there's so many movements of them trying to essentially centralize this decentralized things in certain areas and they're co-opting it and i think I mean, I'm not somebody who knows a ton about crypto, but I do know that's a thing. There are avenues you can go that where it's more decentralized, less government involved. And, and then there's also the vice versa. So I know a lot of people have this, like, they look at things like crypto and they go, Oh my God, here's the thing that's going to end the state. And it's like, eh, I mean, it's a good tool to do that. But on the other end, it's also going to empower the state. So that's kind of goes <laughs> into what I was talking about earlier with a clear pill. It's kind of like It's a little, you got to kind of move the way you want to go. If you, you control your future, if you move that way and, you know, you encourage other people to move a certain way, it'll, you know, I think it's going to be pockets. There are going to be pockets that are going to be, you know, kind of, you know, moving into that government control and pockets that aren't. And that's, you know, crypto is a great example of that.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, there's a whole chapter in shaping the future of the fourth industrial revolution. On crypto on how to centralize crypto. You can go look right now. There's a digital digital dollar.org. They're already trying to figure out how to turn the US dollar into a digital currency. Like this is China's already been, you know, experimenting with this. This is something that's going on. Venezuela experimented it with it, you know, a couple of years ago. So when when they hit hyperinflation, they were trying to figure out all right, how do we in in like bring this innovation, this new cryptocurrency in, and and stabilize our markets. So they're already the, the 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 central planners are already trying to figure this stuff out. They're already trying to get ahead of you, right? What you what you can't do is rest on your morals. You you have to understand that no matter what these people do you're, you're going to have to take care of your own. You are ultimately responsible for yourself. Like the fact of the matter is, I mean, I may not like you. You may not like me. I may not like Pete. I may not like Scott. Like we don't have to live together. We don't have to be in the same community. It's just at this point in time, we have the same enemy. So we have to look at it in a very strategic method because that's how they're looking at it they they believe that this divide and conquer strategy that they are using that they're flooding down upon us to where they're having banks turn in their customers for being spending money in dc on january 6th they they're turning in their customers you know like they're utilizing all these systems against us already it's happening. There's nothing you can do about it. The best thing, like what I did whenever I found out about this, I said, fuck this. I'm opening an account with a credit union. And you know what? I'm limited at the things I can fucking do because I utilize a a credit union, but I'm also a little bit safer in my individuality, in my autonomy, because I have more control over my money. I have a little bit, you know, more say in who sees my transactions
0: you kind of touch on something that i, I think I, and I kind of want to make a point you you said how they use divide and conquer yeah. and i think the thing is that what we need to do is to use that against them allow them to divide but not allow them to conquer allow them to maybe have half essentially it, like this is kind of something i learned from martial arts like i did wrestling a lot in high school I, i've done jujitsu and stuff if you're dealing with a stronger enemy or just an enemy in general, one great thing, especially with a stronger enemy, is to allow them to use their strength against them. Right. You know, kind of, you know, you use that momentum. So that's the thing. They're 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 trying to do divide and conquer. It's been something. It's, been, it's a tale as old as time. But at some point, we gotta rise above and we gotta fucking like use that against them. And that will be, you know, they're dividing and conquer. Uh, you know, find your areas and put your flag on the ground. You know, like start stamping down areas of like more freedom. And that's going to be the rural areas and probably red States. I don't know. I mean, with the red blue game, it always can switch, but that's what it's looking like right now. Cause you know, I mean, but whatever rural versus city is the big divide in my opinion at this point. <laughs> yeah.
1: Know. I mean, to an extent, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think there's something to be said about the red pill, blue pill and the way that people, process information I'm not sure that I'm not sure if I went around my 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 town my small town and and I asked him like about any details about what's going on any of them would like have any idea of what is happening you know maybe a couple and it's not because they're stupid it's just because they don't care they're just not interested you know The, the thing of the matter is you have to be at some point Richard Grove was telling me this earlier. And I, I was like, this is a beautiful point in order to, to, to fight back against the enemy. You have to know something about an enemy. So like I'm, I come across and maybe it's the way I deliver the message. Maybe it's the way I talk about it. I come across as I was pilled, but I'm not. I, what the the most black pilling part of the whole situation is not more people are talking about it but the fact of the matter is somebody has to get it off the ground and get it in 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 the in the ether so that people are talking about it so maybe you know between me and a couple of other guys that i'm hearing talk esg and and the great reset and this that and the other you're you're getting that that education, that information that you need, because my whole thing is, I don't know how you should act. I just tell you to act accordingly. You know, like that's, that's my thing. I don't have details on how you should conduct your life. I know what I'm doing. I know how I'm conducting my life. I know the people I'm looking to, to, to tell me the best way to move forward with things, you know? And I have specific questions and I ask people that are knowledgeable about that specific area that could help me. And then I, then I take each of those areas and I'm like, okay, so this is how I can utilize all these different areas in my own life to, to create what, what I want my future to look like. And just as an example, the other day, I messaged Pete. I was like, "Who do you know that's best on blockchain technology?" And he's like, "Here, uh, email then." And I was like, "All right." So I email then Armani, and and so I'm like, "Hey, look, my question is: I ran into this Oro Pocket. It's it, I think it was OroPocket.net. I was like, I ran into this website. Looks pretty interesting. I can buy cryptocurrency, and they." They they send me a card and I can use their card to purchase things with cryptocurrency or with gold, whatever I decide. And but they're on this network I've never heard of before. What do you think? So Vin comes back, and this is not advice. I'm not giving you financial advice. I'm a dumbass truck driver. So, like, don't take any financial advice from me. But Vin tells me, he's like, Hey, I've been using uphold for years. Uphold allows you to do the same thing and they're on the blockchain. I've been using them for years. It's the way that I do all my business in cryptocurrency. I'm like, okay, so let me check out Uphold. You know, so I go look into re- and research Uphold. So like that's what you have to do. You have to start looking for these alternatives and as your as your quest moves you forward, you're you're trying to find solutions to your problem. Now, the problem with Uphold, I'll tell you straight up, what, what logo do they use on their card? And here's the problem. You're going to run into, if you get a card from one of these people, it's going to have a MasterCard logo. It's going to have a Visa logo. Well, MasterCard has already said that put up a carbon calculator on their site. So, that their customers can come through and calculate their carbon. So how long is it before Uphold shuts me down because I refuse to go by like whatever, it, excuse me, adherence that they are saying that I must go by? You know? So there's, there's this a strategy of moving and I'm moving around and I just have to try to be quicker than they are. When they're trying to nail me in a corner, I gotta be slick enough, you know. I gotta be Barry Sanders, you know, and like spin out of it and, and get down the field and, and, and get in the end zone because I can't be stuck in in a position. I, I can't paint myself in a corner.
0: Yeah, I want I want to touch on you kind of brought up something there. We didn't we kind of breezed over earlier the ESG shit. Cause I think that the first time I heard about that was I think on your episode with Pete. And uh, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all, but at the same time, I do think that's something we need to be aware of because there's something very fucking freaky about that. And it's already in place, I believe, to some extent. Correct. Right. Okay. So, yes, there there's a
1: task force that's put put forward. Now, the first time I I read about this was um, Klaus Schwab wrote an article for Time magazine. And he mentioned ESG, and I was like, eh, I don't know what, I don't know what that acronym stands for. I'm not going to concern myself with it. I was more interested because he was breaking down what is the great reset. you know So I was like, I'm more interested in the big subject here, the macro. But then I ran across Glenn Beck had done an episode and he's done two episodes on ESG, I believe that you can find. And it's Glenn Beck. I mean, you're going to get some good information out of it. You're going to get some bad information out of it. But at the same time, I'm like, what is he talking about? Because he's not spazzing over nothing. You know, I mean, like the first time I ever heard of Operation Choke Point was from Glenn Beck. You know, so it's like, all right, what is this? So I start looking into it. I'm starting to try. I'm trying to figure out what ESG is. And come to find out it stands for Environmental Social Justice Corporate Governance. All right. So w- what they're doing is they, they took the model from China of the social credit score. And they're like, how do we apply this to our politic? All right. So the U.S. politic, obviously, what runs U.S. politic is the the climate change and social justice, period. I mean, end of sentence, that's where we've been going for many years now. So what they're doing is they're assigning a a score value to investors, corporations, and banking institutions. Now, where it gets kind of freaky and it gets into your life is if you have a 401k you are an investor. So Merrill Edge, who's in a subsidiary of Merrill Lynch and Bank of America, has already added ESG scores to the dashboard of their 401k subscribers. So if you have a 401k through Merrill Edge, you're going to you can go to your dashboard, you'll see you have an ESG score. They've already put it in there. And so, what this is saying is that if you don't meet these requirements, they're going to start marking down your score, right? So if you're if you ha- work for a company that's not diverse enough, let's say you buy ammunition, or you you do this, or you do that, you do anything that's not approved, then the bank is going to turn you in, or the investors. Or the investment firm turns you in, or and and your score gets marked down. As your score gets marked down, then you're not qualified for home loans, car loans, yada 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 yada. My old question is, where does this stop? When when does where does it stop? What avenue of our lives does it stop with? And it also has a part, and I don't have the Morgan Stanley. I'll send you the links if you whatever links you want on all this stuff. But Morgan Stanley laid out a model, and under social justice, they have health. Um, It's not disclosure, it's something else. It's health and something. So basically, what they're saying is under social justice, in order to be socially just, there's health disclosures that have to be, you know, taken into consideration. So you look at the vaccine passport information that's come out the last few months. Well, that goes under social justice. Well, how does that make any sense? Well, think about last year. Does anybody remember Camille Foster being on Bill Marsh, Mars show? Whenever they were telling him, well, most of the people that are coming down with COVID, the, the, the people that are most susceptible to, the, to COVID are minorities, are black. Oh, okay. Now, so you don't get a a vaccine passport, you you don't get the vaccine. Now, suddenly, you're a racist or you're a bigot. I just I posted a story the other day where they were saying that women are, you know, being are more susceptible to COVID than men. Now, like they're they're taking it to its its extreme, the logical conclusion of what they think.
0: The irony, the black thing too, is that it's the vitamin D thing is the big reason why, right. (laughs) They're yeah. Like the irony is that they're using their great, one of the greatest weaknesses of the COVID narrative as a strength. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. I
1: mean, like I said, these, these sophists have nothing better to do than to think about how to turn facts against you and weaponize the information that's out there.
0: No, yeah, that's uh, I don't know. It's creepy, and that's the whole reason. This is the the flaw with the fascism system we have going on. The thing is, people see like they're like, oh, well, fucking Amazon's awesome, and like I love right. Google and this and that. And right. It's like, and they don't really see it until it's like, oh, well, now you know, hey, do you want this tax break? Do you not want this tax break? And then you know, slowly but surely, you know, the fucking government. I mean, it does this, you know, shit like this, and i don't know yeah that's that's why this shit's so fucking creepy and, and it's uh, it funny trying to convince people like hey we're in fascism like yeah but this is like amazon comes in a day but like what well, what happens when they start fucking regulating it and do weird wonky shit and it's like you see this year where they started cranking down like crazy and it's starting to become very apparent for everybody but weird. it's kind of like we already got to a point to where it's like they're already so pervasive so it's like I mean, I think at the same time, I'm kind of glad they cranked down super hard this year because I think it opened a lot of eyes. But at the same time, it's kind of like they've already kind of got their they're already balls deep in a lot of ways, you know.
1: So. Most, I think most of the most of the frogs that were going to jump out of the pot jumped out of the pot before 2020. I, I honestly believe that.
0: Yeah, sort of. I don't know. I mean, it's weird. I've known a. Like pretty much every conservative that I know, I will talk to, and they kind of almost damn near agree with me in everything now, but yet they're not like entirely on board. They're almost like purple pilled, if you will. Like I I don't know, like but they're not willing to go that extra step. So they don't.
1: They don't like logical conclusions.
0: Yeah, Uh, I think we're at a good point to go ahead and kill it. We've been going for a while, and uh, I mean, I was going to touch on more on the political, but we're going to be we'll save that for our talk on why libertarian. So that should that should be fun because I mean I'm interested because in we got me, uh it's supposed to be Sal, me, you, and Clean Libertarian, which I mean, I don't know. You you and Clean kind of take the like both type perspective. I've utilized both. Me and Sal both take the like not using the political system and think it's a negative. Uh, but the thing is, the difference between me and Sal is that Sal, I think, takes it as like a more it's morally incorrect to use the the political system. I don't think I mean, I'm more stern asking that I I kind of like morals or kind of whatever. Like, if it gets the job done, like I know that sounds shitty, but you know, huh? <laughs> but like I, I, did, I, uh, I, I have I, a tactical disagreement with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just don't. I, I just don't claim to know what mm-hmm. is going to change people's minds. I, yeah. I, I just, you know, you know, and the more, the merrier. You yeah. Know. And
0: even then, even with me being like, I admitted just now it's a tactical thing for me. Right. So even within that, I kind of always try to caveat it with like, I could be wrong. Because it's with whenever you're talking about like tactical shit, it's very soft science type stuff. I don't know. But I mean, I'm not going to blow my wad for the episode. because. Uh, but we'll go ahead and kill here. You want to go ahead and drop your plugs?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We can do that. Um, you can find me at the libertarianinstitute.org forward slash year dash zero or, um, Tommy salmons.com is my sub stack. Um, really I don't write as much as I'd like to, because I'm a truck driver and I just don't have a whole lot of time. So, uh, and I'm Jesus, man, I'm recording like three to four episodes every week. And people are like, well, you're only re- releasing two a week. I'm like, yeah, cause I want a week off eventually. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so I'm recording a whole lot right now. And, but yeah, uh, Tommy Salmons.com is where you can get my sub stack, and uh, libertarianinstitute.org forward slash year dash zero is uh, where you can find me at the Libertarian Institute. Cool, or uh, at, at, at TD Salmons if you really want to follow that lame ass fucking Twitter of mine.
0: Cool, all right, stick around for a second after I end, we'll, we'll talk for like yeah. a second. But for my plugs, uh, like I said, begin No Way Jose YouTube channel. I'm on pretty much everywhere audio podcasts are at. Uh, I'm not on the Liberty Movement YouTube and BitShoot anymore. Um, uh, you can uh, the Liberty Moon's on Facebook and MeWe. If you do want to check that out, though, you can hit me up at thelibertymovementglobal@gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter. That's where I'm most active as uh, Jose Galison. Um, you know, give me money too. I like that a lot. patreoncom jose 2020 Like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. With that, I really appreciate it. it was fun. Out.